When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox post game show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm the host of the CHGO White Sox postgame show, Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And alongside me, as always, is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's a CHGO White Sox community leader. Uh, Baloney's right. All the swear words on this one. Uh, if your kids are uh, watching this one late on a Friday night, uh, you might want to Put them in bed. Maybe, maybe want to tell them about some curse words because uh, there's probably going to be per- some profanity in this one. Uh, we will be later joined by Vinny Duber, who is out at Guaranteed Rate Field, and we are very excited to talk to Vinny, who talked to Rick Hahn earlier today. We'll learn more about Luis Robert, Aaron Bummer, Yasmani Grandal, who has returned, Aloy Jimenez, who got hit in the hand. We'll see how he's doing. A lot of updates that we will get from Vinny. But Herb, the White Sox lost eight to two this is their 47th loss of the year they fall to 46 and 47 herb on the pregame show i was all gung-ho saying the white Sox are gonna win nine to one and shit yeah that one went out the window real quick that's tough i mean lucas and i know twitter Sox twitter's on fire with them today he didn't pitch well but the number of runs that he gave up is not indicative to how he pitched he was getting up a lot of soft contact that was falling in, and that sometimes happened. But you as a pitcher have to pitch around those things and start getting some strikeouts. So, yes, Lucas Giolito did not get the job done today. So that's very sad. But the bats didn't get the job done today. Cal Quantro's nothing. They, no, had I mean, the ba- they had a lot of opportunities to get runs off of him and hit into a ground ball double plays. Did not get the job done with runners to score position versus Cal Quantrill the whole day, except for when we get our RBI man up there and Jose Abreu gets that uh, double and then Asmani hits an RBI ground out. That's it. That's really tough to win when you got two runs. But it's even tougher to win when your starting pitcher gives up, what, six turn? Yeah, uh, six earned runs for Giolito. Gave up a two-run homer uh, in the first inning to Andres Jimenez. Uh, that was after two runs have already scored, so that basically put the game out of reach for the Sox after, what, four batters? So that was real fun. You got to see the game pretty much over uh, right as it started. It was real brutal to watch, and as Herb mentioned, uh, the Sox weren't able to drive anybody in. One for ten with runners in scoring position. They left eight on base. I thought it was honestly a fine game from the Sox, Hitting-wise, um, they, they hit the ball. Uh, they ended up getting seven hits today. They got two walks as well. It felt like there was some good 
uh, approaches. It felt like there was some good plate appearances. But at the end of the day, when you get a start like that from Lucas Giolito, you're going to need a hell of a lot more than two runs. And I think the most frustrating thing, and this was pointed out by uh, Nick, um, who I think works for Baseball Prospectus, um, he asked how many games have the White Sox lost to the Cleveland Guardians where they have had the same amount of errors or more errors than the runs they've scored four games this year. They have had the same amount of errors or more errors than runs they scored in that game. Absolutely brutal. They've lost more games like that than they've won against Cleveland. It's been a real tough team to beat, and it's just because this team, the White Sox team, isn't disciplined. They don't have the skills that Cleveland has. Cleveland has this great contact uh, ability to make contact. They don't walk a ton. They don't strike out a ton. Neither do the White Sox, but the difference maker there is contact, base running, and defense for the Guardians, and that's why this team that doesn't have that much power or that many brand names outside of Jose Ramirez, uh, Shane Bieber, and Classe, that's why they're 47-44 and 44 and the Sox are 46-47. and 47. And the problem I had, and I, you say they had a fine game at the bat. I disagree. Yasmani Grandal. Runners on first and second. 2-0 count. Takes a middle-middle fastball. What are we doing? What are we doing? Then he throws a ball. The pitcher, uh, Cal Quantrill, throws a ball. We got a 3-1 count coming up. Mm -hmm. Takes another one. It was in the strike zone. It was a little off. But you can also get ready for velocity and then take it wherever you need to. And then 3-2 pitch, of course. Cal Quantrill throws it out of the strike zone. Yasmani's out there flailing. And I know you guys are out there. This is first game back. Hit the ground running. Why do we do rehab? Why do we do rehab if you're not going to hit the ground running when you're playing? You failed right there. It's a big-time fail. And that's not just a one-off thing. It's a lot with Yasmani Grandal this year. A lot with the White Sox where we're just taking great hitters count pitches down the middle and we do nothing with them. How about attack? How about we try to get ourselves in those advantageous spots, and then when we do it, air it out? Because they know you're not going to be swinging at them. So let's try to air it out. And if they throw a changeup or a curveball or a slider that makes you look foolish, so be it. But don't sit and just let, let that ball go right past you. It looks so obvious that he was going to throw a 95-mile-per-hour fastball down the middle. And Yasmani just takes it. That's a, 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 a sign that... Maybe the team and the, what the leadership are doing, especially Frank Minichino, sending out the wrong messages. Well, attack those pitches. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not shocking. I mean, Gavin Sheets, what was it? The, I don't even want to say it was the Orioles game. I want to say it was later. Uh, the Orioles series, I think it was ended up being the, the Minnesota Twins series. Gavin Sheets, like, which was two weeks ago, maybe a week ago, hit the first 3-0 home run for the Sox this year. I mean, they, they don't have an aggressive approach when they should. They should have aggressive approaches in hitters' counts, like 2-0, like 3-1, and they don't. Strike looking on that count, strike looking in the other count, and strike swinging. And the issue that I have mainly is that 3-1 count pitch ends up being a sinker on the outside corner to make it 3-2. The next pitch is basically same location, same pitch. So you have to be better than that. I mean, I know this is a, a dumb correlation, but when I'm playing MLB The Show 20, if I try to throw the same damn pitch in the same damn spot, that ball's going to get crushed because they just saw that pitch, and Grandal was late. And I understand he's coming back from a rehab assignment. I understand that you're talking about, you know, rehab is to get you up to speed. You're not supposed to get up here and start getting up to speed. I totally agree with you on that point. 
it was a weird position, though, to start a rehab assignment because it was right before the All-Star break. You have this long break, and it's either, you know, do we call him up or not call him up? I was fine with the idea of calling him up, but I think if you're going to call him up this early, you're going to have to expect plate appearances like this. And, you know, you see what uh, Jimenez ends up doing in his next at-bat. Why isn't Jimenez, who's been up here longer, is up to speed more in front of Grandal? I, I, I mean, that's part of lost lineup construction here. Um, it, it's, it's not a guy who's fully back up to speed. I feel like maybe Grandal should have been not fifth in the lineup, you know, slide up Jimenez into fifth and maybe you put Grandal sixth and, or maybe Pollock, you know, sixth. I, I don't know. I didn't, I, I didn't love everything today, but that's not what beat the White Sox, you know? No, it isn't, but that is a mentality that filters down the lineup. And as you said, the 3-0 home run that Gavin Sheets hit is the first of the year. That should not be. You should attack 3-0 pitches all the time. And it seems like bat on shoulders. It's like an automatic for the White Sox. They barely do anything when they have an advantageous count like that. And for a team that scores so few runs, I mean, I think they're league average in scoring runs. You, you got to win by the margins. You got to definitely win by the margin. And like I said, you, the reason why they lost is because of Lucas Giolito and how, how he came out today. But I'm seeing people, DFA Lucas, don't give him money. It's no, like, true. No, they it was a DFA bad him. start. But calm down. Calm down, guys. As my guy Sammy Davis Jr. says, uh, not the real guy. Uh, it's not? No, it's not. I don't know if you knew that. It's the real guy. In 2018, I hate to ask it because I'm. He's currently not with us. The real guy's dead. Yeah, oh. Sammy Davis Jr. is currently not with us. R.I.P. In 2018, Lucas Giolito was the worst pitcher in baseball. But from 19 worst to 21, he was pretty good. Damn good. He was ace stuff. Yes, this year he's not that good. But I'm seeing a lot of dissension, a lot of oh, this guy sucks, and a lot of vitriol for a guy that's done the job for the most part in his White Sox career. We're treating this guy like Larry Garcia. Calm down, guys. Yeah, he didn't perform today, but we can't be just shitting on Lucas every time he has a subpar start. Yes, this was not good. You could say this part, this start, not good, Lucas. You need to be better. But people are asking for him to be DFA'd and never pay this guy. Right. Trade him away. He's a terrible. A little far. How about A.J. Pollock hitting 228 and 268? Why don't we DFA him? Uh, Aloy Jimenez, who did get a hit and smoked the shit out of that hit. Uh, he went one for three, but he's hitting 203, 253. Why don't we DFA him? Uh, there's definitely more issues on this roster than Lucas. Let's look at the pitch mix and, and kind of go into this start for Lucas because, I mean, really what defined the game is that Andre Jimenez home run. Uh, that was a hard hit ball, but it wasn't even over 100 miles per hour. And, hey, a home run to right field, what a novelty. Who I mean, I saw Baloney bringing up the run differential at home and on the road. It's probably because the White Sox don't have a fucking left-handed power bat. It's Gavin Sheets coming off the bench in the ninth inning for Tim Anderson in an 8-2 game. That's the only option you have. So if you're really pissed off about this loss, wait till August 2nd. You got about 10 days. And if this team still looks like this, and they still have this left-hander, you know, left-handed uh, hitting situation, they're screwed. Because, I mean, they can't hit at home. They can't take advantage of the park that they play 80 fucking one games at. 
Lucas today um, used his fastball the most, 52% uh, through 33 of those, uh, threw his changeup 30% of the time, his slider 17% of the time. Um, you know, low called strike plus whiff percentage. Uh, MLB average is 27. This was at 22 per today. Um, 13% whiff rate, which is below the MLB average. Only five whiffs uh, on 39 swings today. And, uh, you know, it was just brutal. But here's the thing. The average exit velocity on the 16 balls in play, 80 miles per hour. Oof. That's, wow. Yeah, he's just giving up soft contact, but it's contact nonetheless. This is a team, as you said, that he knew are going to put the bat to ball, not going to strike out a lot. So I don't know if it has to be. I mean, the, the double by Ramirez in the first inning, what can you do there? Yeah, That ball was hit softly and just gets in fair territory in left field where you're playing him more up the middle or to pull the ball. There's nothing you could do there. The Josh Naylor hit, it just falls in front of left field and right fielder. There's nothing you can do there. I thought he could execute his pitchers a little bit better knowing that they don't, they put bats a ball a lot. Hey, let's break out the slider a little bit more. Let's break out the changeup a little bit more balls that, Guys usually miss uh, his pitches that mm-hmm. they usually miss. The fastball, they were not missing at all. The changeup, uh, Jimenez hit just what he hit that like 95 miles per hour. It was a soft, I mean, it was hard hit as as soft as a home run can be hit, right? Just dribbled over the middle. I don't even know if that last one he hit, uh, that was head high 94 that went to the uh, warning track was hit harder, but sometimes you need to do something different. Especially versus this team. 106 on that Jimenez yeah. single. He crushed it. And I'm just wondering what the game plan was today for Lucas. Hey, he probably went in and was like, hey, I've had great success versus Cleveland in my career. I've, as you said, like six and four in his last 11 starts or last 10 starts. The Sox were six and four in his last starts. I mean, he, he's five and one, I think, record wise. I mean, he, he was. Uh, and .83 ERA in the last 10 starts he's since done 2019. Well for I mean, he's dominated. Yeah. So I don't know if he executed the same plan because it seemed like they were not missing anything that he was doing. And their game plan was to put bat on ball early in the count because I think the first eight pitches, they swung at seven of them. They understood that getting bat to ball was the most pertinent thing to do, especially versus a team that they've seen make a bunch of errors this year. A bunch of errors, specifically versus Cleveland. I would love to see, and I know you, you can't do all the math right now, how many errors the White Sox specifically have made against Cleveland Guardians games oh, because it's been, it's been sloppy every time these played these some bitches. TFA Joe Kelly, Joe Kelly pitched well today. Did he? Yeah. I he, gave, he didn't give up any runs, but yeah. I mean, here's Joe Kelly coming out again. Okay, yeah, he gave up only one base runner. All right, yeah. he was fine. It, was, it struck I'm, out two. Yeah, sometimes, guys. I know you guys sometimes have a thing and you want to run with it, but Joe Kelly didn't pitch poorly today, and he has pitched poorly the whole day, and now we're just having people just getting here, getting silly. Come on now. I think the White Sox sometimes <laughs> What, you are, don't think they should TFA Jose Brave? Are Sean, is that just your burner? See, see the gar- burner? Just like I said, sometimes that you have a good matchup for somebody, they see the Cleveland Guardians, and it's airtime. That Tim Anderson deep in the hole ball that Stephen Kwan hit, you should know Stephen Kwan has plus speed. There's no reason to throw that ball. Right. And then secondly, you, as Jose Abreu is trying to glove it, no, just get in front of that, make sure the ball doesn't go 
to the backstop or into the Cleveland Guardians dugout. It's the little things like that that make the difference eventually. They're just not a smart team. Not at all. I'll try to find that stat for you and figure I out can look it um, up and how many errors they've made against Cleveland. I know they made four in that game. They lost 11-1. to one. There was two tonight. Um, they've at least had another one with two. It's, it's been ugly. Um, yeah, Lucas, let's go back to the pitch mix real quick and just kind of show you because Herb mentioned that they were all over the fastball tonight. Lucas in his last start threw the fastball 38% of the time, his changeup 34% of the time, and his slider 27% of the time. Didn't even bother with the curveball. As you can see there, he's very fastball heavy, 52% compared to, again, 38%. The changeup was at 30%. Last outing, or this outing, last outing is at 34%, and the slider was at 27%. So too much fastball there. His changeup is his best pitch. So I'm, I agree with Herb. Honestly, I, I think that you should throw the changeup more um, and, and then the fastball second, and then that slider still keep it at third. But, I mean, that slider and fastball usage should be neck and neck because the main issue is Lucas Giolito and pitch velocity, I think, at least at this point, just because there's not enough separation between that fastball and, and changeup. Um, he had four pitches over 94 miles per hour today. Not good. Um, his average velocity has just been down. Uh, it was down, I think, a half uh, velocity, uh, half, half a tick today. So, again, just down all around and it's odd because he just came off a break he just had a very long day off so a very long you know stretch off so I don't know you know guy comes off like that maybe it's just eight days worth of rust and getting off the routine hopefully you get pre all-star break Lucas Giolito in the next outing and uh, you don't get something like this. But we, it's time to let you know the best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up to get two or three bets up to $2,000. That's it. If you make $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all the web content, and you'll even get a free sh shirt of your ch choice. You can get... Uh, $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt from CHGO Locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. When you use code CHGO, if you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll help you out. And PointsBet's your home for live and play betting, and it's just got even better. If you see an edge in the game you're watching, if your favorite team is primed for a comeback, don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. There's more live markets, more live betting, and faster live cash outs with the PointsBet app. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Download the PointsBet app right now and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. 16 errors. 16 errors against Cleveland this year. Um, and then also, we got to let you know about Justin Fields. He didn't make an error when he backed Owen. Owen is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you. All of their products are free of artificial ingredients, allergen-friendly. There's no gluten or dairy, and they're easily digestible. I first heard about them from the Chicago Bears quarterback, Justin Fields, who follows a plant-based diet. Owen and CHGO have partnered up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. That's L-I-V-E-O-W-Y-N.com. And with code CHGO20, you can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. Join me and Justin Fields and try Owen. It's only what you need. They have great flavors like chocolate, vanilla, salted caramel, and strawberry banana. So again, Owen and CHGO have partnered up for an awesome offer. 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com with the code CHGO20. All right, let's go out to Guaranteed Rate Field. And welcome the man back from his vacation. Hi, Vinny. Hey, guys. How are you tonight? 
It's good to see you. It is Vinny Duber joining us from Guaranteed Rate Field. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He is the CHGO White Sox beat writer. You just posted a new article about Luis Robert heading to the IL. Before we get into today's action and the A2 loss, uh, you talked to Rick Hahn. Uh, what did he have to say about Luis Robert and uh, why is he heading to the IL? Yeah, so, uh, you know, really not more, much more in the way of specifics from, you know, what happened over the weekend in Minnesota, but uh, the, what happened over the weekend in Minnesota is still happening now, or at least it was uh, before the game. Some lightheadedness, some blurred vision, obviously those are concerning things. If uh, you or anybody uh, you know would be experiencing those, that's not something you want to be going through. Um, apparently, according to Rick, the, the blurred vision was mostly uh, affecting Luis in the field. Uh, you know, seeing the ball off the bat from a far distance, you know, as opposed to being 60 feet from the pitcher and seeing something uh, coming at you uh, while you're batting. So uh, he's going on the IL while they tr- try to figure out what's going on or try to uh, just make sure that it all goes away. Uh, there wasn't really any concern. It seemed like from Rick that it would be something that would keep Luis out past the, his, his date where he's eligible to return, which I believe is next weekend's series against Oakland uh, here on the South side. So uh, maybe just a, you know, a week or what ends up being a week and a half or about a two week absence for Luis Robert. Um, but uh, yeah, really no, Nothing I can tell you because there was nothing Rick could tell us about what the cause of this is. They're still doing tests and he's still seeing doctors and uh, they're they're working on it, but they don't think it's something that's going to be a, a very long-term thing. Yeah, I was going to follow up and ask about the cause. Obviously, Rick Hahn doesn't have one. Uh, does he at least have a, a place where it might have started? Like, did he mention if it started in Minnesota? Did it start in a prior series? Has this been something that's been on and off for him this year? Or is it just, we don't know. It seems to have popped up fresh. It okay. wasn't something that's been been bothering him. It was something that that started there last weekend, um, and and is has persisted. And so, you know, you don't want to you don't want to joke about this or or jump to you know uh, you know. There, obviously, there are fans who are frustrated that the team is not fully on the field again, still like it has like has been the case all season. Uh, but certainly, as Tony Larusa said, which is very true, you you know you want you want this guy to get better, and you you worry about the guy when when something like this happens because it is not your normal baseball type of uh, injury kind of thing. Very unusual first inning for Lucas Giolito, especially versus the Guardians. What do you have to say about a short outing where he gave up six earned runs and really no hard hit ball besides that uh, home run that Jimenez hit? Yeah, that was basically it. That was Tony's assessment. That was Lucas's assessment. You know, it's it's guys blooping singles in there and guys sending CNI balls through the infield. And, you know, what are you going to do about that kind of thing? So, you know, Lucas is obviously one of those guys who studies his outings very carefully. He's going to go back to the, to the drawing board on this one and, and try to figure out if there was something he could have done uh, to, to take, uh, to, to make it, less like what it was, but uh, a lot of hits, a lot of runs. And Lucas said, this is a results game. And so he could be fine with the way he pitched. He can realize that it was softly hit balls, you know, landing in, landing where the defenders weren't. But at the end of the day, he's not happy with the fact that he gave up so many hits, gave up so many runs. And this was a bad day in his eyes, even if it wasn't something that uh, dramatically changed the way he's feeling about where he is at this point in the season. Is this one that you just throw in the garbage? Did anyone say that? I love when people say that. You just throw this one in the garbage and move on to the next one. 
Um, he might have said throw away. He might have said moved past. I'm not sure if he used that cliche that you uh, love so much or not. But uh, but yeah, there you go. The uh, and th- that's what you got to do, right? Because I mean, the thing that was surprising, I think, was that, was that he only lasted three innings with about 65 pitches. We we kind of tried to get to Tony. You know, we tried to ask Tony about that post game, and I think what it was was. He was giving up a lot of runs. He was giving up a lot of hits. After they scored the two runs, the White Sox, it's a four-run game. I mean, it's not its not out of, it's not out of uh, the question that they could have come back, uh, you know, from a four-run deficit. Um, but, you know, so, so the idea there is to, to throw a pitcher in there who maybe can get the job done a little bit better and keep that run score or keep the run differential down a bit. But then you go in and you give up the double to Naylor and it becomes a six-run game and then things are a little different. Did Tony or Eloy or Lucas speak about the Guardians hitting them? I know it didn't look intentional to me, but another two White Sox hitters got hit by pitches today. Did they discuss it, anything? uh, And also, what's the latest on Eloy? I know he batted later after he got hit in the wrist. Yeah, no, no update there. Uh, you know, the fact that he stayed in the game and and then continued to stay in the game, I think really, uh, you know, kind of – kind of told you what you needed to know uh i think you know they've been so cautious with him they're so cautious with everybody and as you've seen many many times somebody gets hit in the hand that can really affect their ability to just grab the bat and 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 be able to swing the bat that he was able to go up there and take another at bat signals that that he that he is okay to do that uh this might be a situation where um you know not having to go out in the field and use your hands uh for other things like like uh playing left field you know maybe helped him a little bit there, but uh, yeah, no, no update there. But again, I think you saw what you saw them with him staying in the game. So many times you see a guy tough it out, go down to first base. And then by the time the next at bat rolls around, they're out of there. Uh, that was not the case with Aloy tonight. Taken after Jose Abreu. Um, Jose rubbed that one off as well. Uh, when uh, Quantrill hit him on a three, two, I'm wondering about Yasmani Grandal, the guy who caught Lucas Giolito. He makes his return uh, today and we end up seeing with the Robert move to the IL, they end up keeping Reese, Sebi and Yasmani Grandal. Um, lucked out I'll use that in quotes but what's the idea here with the catcher situation is it possible that they could possibly keep three guys on this roster that all play the same position they're doing it now I'm not sure how long that will last it's a very interesting thing and and certainly you know maybe something that got even a little bit lost in the shuffle earlier today with all the talk about Luis and then certainly Rick Hahn was asked a lot about the trade deadline coming up too uh but you know, you've got a guy in Yasmani Grandel who's got to start catching a little bit more, um, I would think. Uh, but at the same time, coming right back from that injury, maybe they go a little easy on him here at first. Certainly, Sebi Zavala has done nothing to deserve to get sent back down to Charlotte. Um, and then they've been pleased with what Reese McGuire has been able to do behind the plate all year. So um, maybe a tough decision coming. But like you said, they're using luck out, uh, you know, kind of sarcastically almost, uh, or not sarcastically, but using it in a different way. Uh, you've got, you've got kind of a silver lining of being able to look at these guys for a little bit longer and, and, and put that tough decision down the road a little bit. I know that, uh, people on the radio made a kind of a deal about it, that there was an optional workout yesterday. Some players didn't show up. I have no problem with it. You have a break, you have a break, you make it optional. Cool. Make it optional. Is there anybody speaking about how you know players missed an optional workout on a, a Thursday afternoon after the All Star break? 
it was not a topic of conversation today. All right, I'm making sure because I think, you know, people always wonder, oh, these guys got to try harder. They got to get to practice. And I don't think so. I mean, they just got to play as they usually play. And today was just a lackluster game. It was like, ugh. Like, the hitters, like, I was more peeved by the 2-0 and 3-1 takes by Yasmani Grandal. I know he's just coming back from the IL, but that type of thing has happened all year long. That makes me more mad than people not showing from optional baseball practice. It's optional. That's the key word. Yeah. Um, Aloy Jimenez, I, I, we changed the subject on him, but I want to go back to him. I, did they mention anything after the fly ball catch in Cleveland where he needed to be taken out? We see him at DH today. Was there any talk about his long-term usage, if he might see more DHing opportunities, or if the plan is still, hey, this is a hiccup that we expected, we still expect him to be our left fielder or at least a part of a, a platoon? Yeah, I think it would definitely lean more toward the latter. Uh, uh, Rick said earlier today that he expects to see Aloy play in the outfield this weekend during this series against Cleveland. So um, I I don't think it's something that they're throttling back any differently because of what happened in Cleveland. Maybe it's kind of the same way that they were treating it with him just coming back from the injury in general, which was going to be a little bit of a mix. Um, I, I I think then Rick did bring up that Coors Field is on the schedule next, and that is a, a place uh, that requires a little bit different outfield play given the size of that outfield uh, there in Denver. So maybe maybe you don't see him in the outfield during those those that very brief two-game series out there in Colorado. Um, but uh, it doesn't sound like he is currently incapable uh, health-wise, physically, of playing out there, and uh, you should see him maybe as much as you expected to before. Rick speak or Tony in the pregame about why the uh, matchups they have this week, why Giolito, then Cueto, then Lynn, then Cease for the w- matchup versus the Guardians. And to uh, Davis Martin, how, it, does he play into that at all? So Davis Martin is likely to be the 27th man tomorrow. It definitely will be a pitcher, as Tony LaRusso said. Davis Martin is here, so I can. Th- I think you can assume that that's uh, who is going to be the 27th man. Um, I would imagine he is here as an extra arm on a day of a doubleheader. You know what I mean? And if they need to, if you know, if another starting pitcher does what Lucas Giolito did tonight and only throws three innings, they're going to need some arms. Uh, you know, I asked Tony Russa after the game about. You probably didn't want to use five relievers on the day before a doubleheader, but he seemed pretty confident that basically everybody besides Jimmy Lambert would be available to pitch tomorrow. So um, there you have that. Uh, In terms of, Herb, what you asked, uh, I don't know if you're asking specifically about the order in which those four guys have been lined up for this four games, but uh, there was talk. Obviously, they did on purpose make Michael Kopech fifth in the rotation to buy him a very long all-star break. He's going to go, obviously, from his last start all the way until Tuesday, probably, in Colorado before his next start. Um, and then I think that they had uh, Dylan Cease lined up the way the off days are working next week. Three straight Sundays, so he'll have six days in between um, starts. I guess you could call them one and two and two and three here in this little stretch uh, to, to, to get some rest for him as well uh, to keep guys fresh and, and, and make sure that they're not being overworked. Obviously Michael Kopech's usage has been a years long storyline at this point, And we're watching that closely, but even guys like Cease who are not on any sort of limit or restriction are guys that they want to make sure, you know, get a breather and, and can be as strong as possible down the stretch. Did Rick discuss Kopech and his usage at all in the second half today? Yeah, I mean, he he basically said that it would be 
fairly similar to what they would be doing. They would, you know, there would, the schedule might help them out is basically kind of what it came down to. Certainly this is what's happening right out of the gate, right? You get this really long period between uh, starts for Kopech, thanks to in part an off day there on Monday. Uh, and, you know, they might be able to sit him down a couple more times because of that. It does not sound like they are worried about where he's at in, in his workload so far this season. And the usage is probably going to continue very much the way it did in the first half. And Aaron Bummer, was there any news on him in the pregame with Rick Hahn? Yeah, I mean, I'd say the news is just this one sentence from Rick, which was they they hope to have him back, they expect to have him back at some point, but they can't guarantee it. Um, so I, I guess that is a possibility, whether it's .0001% or greater, uh, that he would maybe not come back this year at all. But uh, he, he has yet to throw off a mound. I think Aaron Bummer told a couple of the other uh, reporters today that uh, he's hoping for a September return. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Maybe Aaron Bummer um, is out of this relief mix for a little longer than they'd hope, which obviously plays into the fact that they'll be looking for relief pitching at the deadline. Yeah, so that's what I kind of want to talk to you about is I know that there was some trade talks from Rick Hahn today. Um, he said bullpen is a priority. Um, what could you tell us about that? I'm assuming it had to probably be aligned with the, the, bummer, the, the bummer talk. Yeah, that's what it was. And, and I think, you know, this is something maybe we've probably been able to see all season long coming, right? Garrett Crochet being out. Uh, Joe Kelly has not pitched as well as he or anybody would have thought that he would have by this point, plus the injuries that uh, have made him miss time. And then you've got uh, Aaron Bummer, who's been out for a really long time now and is about to uh, be out for even longer, as we heard. So uh, they need help back there, if in nothing else having a lefty. Certainly, Reynaldo Lopez has stepped up and, and, and put himself in that setup mix a little bit ahead of, of, of guys like Graveman and Hendricks, um, but they need some back-end help, and they definitely need some left-handed help out there, so, you know, Tanner Banks isn't the only guy that you've got to throw out with a, with a who throws with a left hand. Uh, not that he has been bad, but he's been fine, but, you know, the, they need more than just him. Um, and then it comes down to the fact that pretty much every team, every contender, every team that wants to be a contender is looking for relief help at this time of year. Uh, that's really just how it goes uh, at the trade deadline of just about every season. Uh, what I thought was interesting from Rick was him mentioning a couple other positions, uh, second base, right field, um, which as White Sox fans well know are positions that uh, have been talked about for much longer than just this year. March, March of what year? Um, Fair. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh. it's, it's, it's what it is right now. And, and I think more than anything, it's not that Josh Harrison and Gavin Sheets are total failures, right? That need to be scrubbed off this roster. It's, that's where you have the opportunity to add. That's where you have the opportunity to make a move because I asked Rick Hahn, he, Rick Hahn was asked about second base and, and right field and, you know, oh, these are guys we thought we were going to be better. It, it didn't turn out that the production levels of those positions have worked. And I said, well, isn't that true of catcher and third base too? I mean, Yasmani Grandal has, has not hit well at all. He's been one of the least productive hitters in baseball. Yoan Moncada, better recently, but for the vast majority of the season, hitting under 200. Uh, and he basically said, well, but that's Moncada and Grandal. And if this, he, he, the, the excuse was if this team is, or the excuse, the explanation was if this team is going to do what it needs or needs to do to win, those two guys have to be a part of it is basically what it was. And I, I think that's reasonable. You know, that being said, if I also ask, like, how long can you 
How, how are you going to balance? This is the trade deadline. How are you going to, are you going to keep, you know, singing this back of the baseball cartoon where you think everybody's going to come along? You've got three and a half months of data now to tell you what guys are going to do or not going to do. And he said, yeah, that's fair. That's, that's something that you have to do. And I said, how hard is that going to be? And he says, yeah, well, we'll see over the next couple of weeks. So um, it's, it's, they're not in a good spot. You know what I mean? But listen, guys, they're not going to uh, replace everybody on the roster at, at the trade deadline. They're, the the bulk of a turnaround is going to have to be with guys that are currently on this roster. Now, that being said, he outlined multiple positions today which improvements can be made, and you would have to expect that they would try to try their damnedest to make them because you don't rebuild just to sit here at 500 at the All-Star break. So just to recap, he said bullpen, right field, second base were the three positions they're looking at. He said bullpen, definitely. Okay. And he said that if there are going to be, you know, if if there are opportunities to to make a an improvement at, uh, offensively, he pointed he he specifically listed second base and right field as positions where they have not performed up to their expectations this year. So I would imagine that you can read the tea leaves and say that would those would be areas in which that they could add uh, and certainly might be looking to. Uh, I don't think uh, starting pitching is off the board either or off the table, I should say. Um, not because, you know, they want uh, more guys, but because they might have to. Uh, certainly, they've got five guys who they wish they could ride all the way to October and all the way through it. Um, but we're here, you know, it's, it's, it's August is coming, and Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn haven't necessarily found themselves yet. So um, if they're going to win enough games to win the division, they're going to need some starting pitching to go along with the offense they hope comes around. Last thing I got for you, Vinny, is uh, some positive stuff. How was your vacation? <laughs> the vacation was very positive. That's very true. Uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, Michigan is a, a lovely state. I know White Sox fans, might, uh, they might be turning their nose up because it's the home of the division rival Detroit Tigers. But uh, we stuck to the West Coast. We stayed away from Detroit. We stuck to the West Coast right along Lake Michigan. We went to the Upper Peninsula, uh, got to spend some time uh, in and around Lake Superior, which was very cool. Uh, did some hiking, did some kayaking, uh, did some camping. Uh, the whole nine yards there, uh, living the outdoorsy life uh, in Michigan this past week. You've seen both lakes. Is it superior to Michigan? I'll tell you this. Ooh. Lake Michigan Lake Michigan in Michigan is very different than Lake Michigan in Chicago. It, it, is, it is crystal clear. It's like a glass of water over there. Uh, and we lucked out because we had both lakes uh, just calm, completely calm when we were there. So we did a kayaking uh, tour on Lake Superior at Pictured Rocks uh, National Lakeshore, and uh, it was wonderful conditions. Great to be out there uh, on the water and also clear, just very clear. So uh, the rocks on the bottom instead of, you know, what you're used to here. So it was, it was, it was lovely, no doubt about them. Great lakes, the both of them. How about that? Yeah, at the, the place I go to, uh, there's like street lamps in the bottom of our lake. Uh, there's like broken <laughs> concrete at the bottom right. of our yes. lake. Yes, the big concrete slabs. Yeah, that is the Chicago uh, lake bed. Uh, so uh, that, that they don't have that over there on the other side. You'd, you're, you'd be shocked. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have it any other way. And, and because you're wearing the Booker T and MG shirt, uh, and since it is Friday, Let's go get stoned. Let's go home uh, and have a great night. Uh, thank you, Vinny, for joining us from Guaranteed Rate Field. And you can follow Vinny on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's a CHGO White Sox beat writer. All right, guys. Have a good one. Good night, right. Vinny. See you on Sunday. Booker T and the MGs. Didn't they sing that song or play that song in that's in Swingers?
I can answer this. It's is it green onions? Yeah, yeah, they play green onions. I don't think that 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 green onions is in Sandlot. That song I was referencing was not not in Swingers. Okay, I don't. I've never seen Swingers. Wow, I'm sorry. Terrible. I would love to play just Booker T and the MGs right now on the show, but we we can't. Right, Stephen? Can we can we play Booker? Do we have copy? No, we do not. We're, we get copyright. Yeah, uh, we're not. That's gonna be frowned upon. Um. Yeah. So mm, it doesn't help me figure out which song was in Swingers. Swingers I'll is a great movie. You should watch it this weekend. I know Vince Vaughn's in that. Yes. But, uh, yeah. John Favreau who yeah, wrote the movie. I can't figure it out. I don't know. Anyways, uh, let's talk about. Gotta a watch if you put Swingers in the. Uh, in the Google search. I'll, I'll make sure I put John Favreau, uh, Swingers John Favreau in there. Uh, if you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from a CHGO locker. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we can help you out. It's time for your PointsBet pick of the week. Tomorrow, Johnny Cueto starts game one of the White Sox and Guardians double header i am a person who doesn't win a lot of money gambling but if i was to put money on either of the games tomorrow i am betting on the game that johnny cueto is starting johnny cueto has been great he's given the white Sox a quality start in nine of the 11 starts he has made he is at least going to give the Sox a chance to win and if the offense does their job they should win so that's my points bet Pick of the week, and in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up the fastest sportsbook easier than ever. It is the PointsBet app. It is the best app on my phone, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And there's a question for my guy Paul Correct. He is wrong by the way, because he asked a question. He's so sick of hearing about exit velocities. Don't get me started about exit velocities. The White Sox and Astros have the same exit velocity average. I'm tired of hearing about it. The reason why the Astros are really, really good and the reason why the White Sox are really, really bad is because the Astros put the ball in the air and take advantage of their ballpark how many times have you seen them play in Minute Maid and they have some dude whether it be Jason Castro Martin Maldonado that jackass Alex Bregman uh, George Springer Jose Altuve hitting a home run into the Crawford box how many home runs have been hit to left field this year by the White Sox that's the issue ball in air that's been the White Sox issue and not only is average velocity or exit velocity important launch angle is important as well and the Astros have an average launch angle of 15 the Sox around 10 and a half so that just means more balls into the ground for the Sox the Astros aren't making ground ball outs the White Sox are they're hitting more line drives and more home runs and that's why the Astros win games because they're making less outs and hitting the ball hard isn't bad you'd rather be hitting the ball hard than not you'd rather have a hard line out that's hit right at somebody than a little bloop because you have had the right process the process has been good and then the result is good yeah um average white band was the band not booker t and the mgs they sang the song pick up the pieces Mm. that's in swingers by the way so it's a great song there you go check them out and a great movie no i'm not watching Star Wars, baloney. I know I told Vinny eventually. That's like 10 movies. I'm good. Swingers is a necessary movie for everybody who watch. How is Swingers and Star Wars in the same breath? 
because I think Swingers just is because better they're than movies Star Wars. we haven't seen. Um, I think Swingers is much better than Star Wars. And Blank name's right. The Josh Harrison double play early was a killer. Yeah. Uh, in this game, uh, and that was you know whatever. I mean, you know, even if even if they don't get, I mean, the, the Grandal one was the, the Grandal strikeout was a killer. The Harrison double play was a killer. But at the end of the day, they just need to start hitting more home runs. Like, come on, let's just, let's just knock it off. I'm with Beef Loaf at this point. Andrew Vaughn just needs to start hitting home runs because clearly he's the only guy outside of Jose Abreu that can hit on this game. And team. Wayne says little bloopers won today. Yes, that is true. Good job. But that's why I say that Lucas didn't necessarily pitch poorly. His results are poor. So he failed as a starter because he didn't get close to where he needed to. But I'm not going to jump all over Lucas Giolito for a bad outing necessarily. I think those are just balls that are hitting the correct spot. And if you look in the box score, they're like, man, they got all these hits off of Lucas Giolito. Eh, yeah. But as Sean said, the average of those six hits was 80 miles per hour. Well, and, and Paul says, comes back and says, right, Sean, so why was it worth mentioning that Eloy's single tonight had a high exit velocity? Um, because Eloy hit the ball tw- hard twice. He had two balls hit hard over 100 miles per hour. He is hitting the ball hard. He is getting the barrel on the ball. As That's we were talking important. about early in the year where Jose Abreu was struggling numbers-wise, where he was hitting close to 200, slugging low 400s. We said, wow, Look at the exit velocity. He's in the 99th percentile of exit velocities. He should be good eventually. And Sean was saying it. And even though he's a, a, a Brayu hater at the beginning of the year, he was saying he should be fine. Everybody's like, he's hitting the ball fine. His metrics show that he is hitting the ball fine. And now we're here and into July, he's fine. He's more than fine. He's doing a very good job. Now, if this trend continues for Eloy, you'll see some of those balls that are hard hit just line outs or line shots to left field, go over the fence. And that's what the White Sox need. It's encouraging. Right. And, you know, if, if he's able to get under the ball, get that lift, they'll get home runs. So we'll, we'll see. Um, and, yeah, they, they weren't home runs, so I guess the process is, is, is not good. You're not getting the results you want. So you're, you're correct, Paul. Paul is correct. They weren't home runs, so Aloy is bad. And hitting the ball is, is a dumb idea. Don't, don't do that. Don't hit the ball hard. Don't make good contact. That'd be stupid. Um, anyways, let's... Average white band from Scotland, by the way, and had a black dude in the band. Okay. And that's Swingers? Yeah. 1994 well, Swingers. Yeah. It's a great movie. Anyways, uh, let's Which jump... Somebody agreed with me. It's better than Star Wars. Who said this? Didn't somebody say, agree with you, Herb? You're better movie than Star Wars? I agree with you, oh, Herb, but that uh, home run is on Giolito uh, and hurt the team bad. No fair. one cares about the Swingers take right Oh, now. they do. You're they the should. only one talking about Swingers right now. Starter sucks. Star Wars sucks. You want to play some NHL 94? Oh, yeah. That's in that movie. Dun, 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 dun. Let's go into some trade talks. Rick Hahn talked about it. We talked about it in the pregame. Vinny just mentioned it to you. Um, and someone mentioned Jose Quintana. The Sox are in talks with the Pirates, apparently, for Jose Quintana. Uh, this one's from Vinny Parise, at Vinny Parise on Twitter. A source is suggesting to me that the Chicago White Sox are actively pursuing a reunion with former All-Star Jose Quintana. Uh, it's suggested to Vinny Parise. Uh, not, not, you know told to Vinny Parise. It is suggested. Uh, But let's play some games here. Uh, Jose Quintana. Would a reunion make sense? Uh, Vinny Duber mentioned that a bullpen arm is something the White Sox will look for with the injuries to Aaron Bummer, Garrett Crochet, and Tanner Banks being the only left-handed reliever. Let's look at the available left-handed relievers that the White Sox can possibly go out and trade for. So the one guy that really intrigues me on this list Matt Moore of Texas. Texas, you know, they spent a lot of money, 
haven't been great, though. Matt Moore, a career starter, and has now shifted over to the bullpen in Texas and has been fantastic in that role. He is uh, around uh, for a year and two and a half million dollars, so he is affordable. But the thing about being affordable and having good numbers, uh, that will drive up your price. Uh, Andrew Chafin is one of the best left-handers and probably the best left-hander on the market. He has just such a strong body of work, was signed to a uh, deal this year to Detroit, uh, two years and uh, $13 million. He has a player option next year, though, so... He has a good season. He might want to try to re-up, maybe get three years, maybe get a Kendall Graveman-like deal. So Chafin uh, might be available, but trading with an, an in-division uh, rival would be tough. Sam Mall of Oakland, one of the cheaper options. A.J. Puck of Oakland, one of the cheaper options. Stephen O'Kurt of Miami, one of the cheaper options. Amir Garrett, uh, also in-division in Kansas City. Keegan Aiken of Baltimore, a cheap uh, option. Joe Mansupply, he's an all-star and very cheap as well. Brad Hand of Philadelphia. They're in contention, kind of, but, you know, they're in third place of the NL East. If they have a bad stretch here, maybe they end up selling by August 2nd. Matt Strom of Boston and then rounding out Jose Quintana of Pittsburgh. Herb, what do you think of the market uh, for left-handed pitching? Looks looks out there. It looks veritable. It looks like the White Sox have a lot of players they can choose from there. And speaking of Jose Quintana, I always take him. Even when he was bad with the Cubs and bad last year with the Angels and the Giants, I'll always take him. But this year, he's got a sub-4 ERA. I know that's not great, but his FIP is 3.32. So he's pitching uh, a little bit better than he was last year. He's pitching like he was when he was a White Sox pitcher. Now, will he be uh, every fifth-day starter for the White Sox? Probably not because they already have their established five out there, and I think Davis Martin is impressing them with his outings. But it's never a bad thing to pick up another veteran guy and a man that knows the circumstances around here and coming back home would be a great thing for Jose Quintana. But yeah, Mantiply would be awesome. Matt Moore would be awesome to get any of those guys on that list. I mean, Chafin's going to be hard because the division right. signed for multiple years, things like that. But yeah, I'm in Amir, Amir Garrett, same thing. And also shaky. Uh, he's hit or miss with me. So, I mean, he's got his walks per nine is 7.6. Yeah. So, and so that is shaky. Uh, to those guys, AJ Puck and Sam Mall out there in Oakland, they're they could be available. All those people on that list, for the most part, are people that would be improving the White Sox bullpen, especially because they only have one lefty in there. You saw him today, and I am not. 100% gung-ho on your man, Agent Cody slash Tater Bakes. He's not my man. Don't put that oh, on me. Bad. Sorry. He's not, he's not my man. You <laughs> named him, man. Agent Cody that. slash Tater, Tater Bakes. I, I named him that, but uh, he's not, not my man. Um, and uh, just to answer uh, Blank Name's question, has anyone seen more pitch this year? I remember when he came up, he was the flamethrower who regularly threw over 100 miles per hour. Has that stuff returned? He doesn't have that exact velocity. It's not you know, next level, but it's to around where the 2013 levels were. And honestly, it's a tick above um, his, his highest stat cast recorded velocity was his rookie year, or at least the first year in 2011. Uh, he was thrown around 96.8 low point was 91.1 back in 2017, but this year he's back up to 94.2. So he's able to get some tick on uh, that fastball. But the big thing, he's now become a curveball dominant pitcher first uh, moving to the bullpen he's now relied on his curveball more and has laid back off on that fastball so I think it's allowed him to get a little bit more on that pitch and use it less especially being in the bullpen you know you can really rack it up and just give your full go in, in, in that bullpen but looking at that list it is difficult because Quintana when he's pitched out of that 
bullpen. He pitched a little bit out of the bullpen uh, for the Cubs and a little bit out of the bullpen for the Giants. He wasn't good. So if the White Sox were to acquire him, I think it would be as a starter. And that begs the question, do you move Michael Kopech back to the bullpen? That's what I was trying to get out of Vinny there was, you know, hey, what did Rick Hahn say about Michael Kopech? Because, again, the innings here. What, what, what are, what's a realistic number of innings that he can throw this year? So it is just difficult. Steven, if you could pull up that uh, list just again. The issue with this, too, is there's one guy that is truly good on that list. Andrew Chafin is good. He's been good before, has been good. He will be good. But Brad Hand, he's a known commodity name, but he's struggled and still has his struggles, even though his numbers in Philadelphia have been good. Quintana, I don't know if he would work as a bullpen arm. Joe Mantiply, he's an all-star, but he's an all-star in Arizona. And he hasn't really done this before. Uh, A.J. Puck, he's a first-rounder, but he really hasn't figured it out. This year is his first year of figuring it out. Sam Maul is a 30-year-old who really doesn't have that long of a, a, a resume. So a lot of these guys are crapshoots, and, and that's kind of where the White Sox have put themselves outside of Chafin, who would be a, a, a premier price. And we know bullpens and bullpen arms are year-to-year. They're volatile. We see the whole career of Ryan Tapera up until last year, or two yeah, two years ago, he was pretty mediocre. Then he figured something out. The Cubs pretty much non-tendered him, came back to them on a minor league deal, then was dominant last year in 2021 with the Cubs and the White Sox. And sometimes you just catch lightning in bottle. You fi- figure out what's going on with your arm. And maybe A.J. Puck, who was a highly touted prospect coming out of Florida, figured out things. And they've got a role for him. Instead of a starter, he's more of a bullpen guy, and he's doing the job this year. I don't know if Oakland, I hope they do, if want to release him after they've figured something out with them because the, rep- the return won't be mind-blowingly great for A.J. Puck, a guy coming out of the bullpen. The return will be decent, but you've done this work with him so far. Maybe they say we hold on to the guy and we go on well, further with him. Right. He's a first-round pick for them. Yeah. So back in 2016, he was a six-overall pick for them. He won't be a free agent until 2027. Yeah. So he still has control, exactly. which, which is important to teams, especially like Oakland. And then they are thinking probably, hey, yes, he's figuring it out as in the bullpen, but we picked him sixth overall. We're going to try to convert him to a starter eventually because we're going to try to get the most out of this guy. And then we can move him when he's closer to leaving our, our uh, stadium in our city and then get some more out of him. I would love but, to get but, A.J. Puck right now right. and then also try to turn him into a starter instead of a dominant reliever. And, and like this, you know, I mean, what? eight years he's been in that organization this is the first great season that he's having maybe they're like well shit let's cut the losses he's been in this organization for long enough that let's w- sell let's sell high that's so i i say that all the time and yeah it's a little smart but they have plenty of time on him and they maybe thought what they think it's gonna turn into a pumpkin yeah after a while well, and i did see a comment up there if you if we could scroll up and then we'll go to the batters uh here you guys gotta keep scrolling up it's 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 one of the older ones um and I see Mantiply, some people chanting out Mantiply, just a little bit up. Um, it's Rodon right here, right? Um, so people bringing up Rodon, uh, people bringing up that they need a splash. Again, at the worst, you need to upgrade Tanner Banks. You need to upgrade some of these pieces. If Jose Ruiz turns into a guy that is more proven, great. If Matt Foster turns into a guy that's more proven, great. What I would love for the White Sox to do is 
go out and get as many arms as possible. And if one guy doesn't work, get the other guy. If the other guy doesn't work, try out the other guy. Go out and make six trades. We saw the Braves do this. Go out and make three trades for guys that you have a little bit of control on and see if you can move them up and down from AAA and, and the majors and see who works and who gets a role. Matt Foster doesn't need to stay in this bullpen. Jose Ruiz doesn't need to stay in this bullpen. Tanner Banks doesn't need to stay in this bullpen. Go out and make this the strongest bullpen that you can make it. So I, I don't know. And, you know, the idea of maybe moving Kopech, that would improve the bullpen, sliding him from the starting rotation to the bullpen. He could hopefully probably use more of that velocity, maybe get back up to 97, 98 in some of these outings. But I see Rodon being brought up there. Maybe they go out and get a starter. Rodon hit 110 innings. He can now opt out of his contract after this year. I don't know what you think about Rodon, um, but there's also uh, the the Cubs guy, Justin Steele, as well. Um, there's some options out there that they could possibly swing from a starter to a reliever, so it will all depend. Giants are half a game out of the playoff spot, of the wild card spot, the last wild card spot. So in the next two in a week, what, a week and a half, they're not trading Rodon. I think they're not trading Rodon. Going for the playoffs to them – they're in a tough division. They could say, hey, we've gotten beat by the Dodgers and the Padres are out here battling. And our bottom of our uh, division, while not the worst, they're not the best. So the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, we could still grab a wild card spot over, you know, other teams who are battling right now, like the, the Cardinals and such. So having one of our best arms out there, a guy who's an all-star in Carlos Rodon, yeah, we'll roll dice. If he can opt out, do it. But there's no reason for us to trade them while we can still go to the playoffs right now. When we went right. to the playoffs last year, we had the most wins in the American and the National League. You know, we got dismissed early, but still, we can get back into there, and he'll be one of the keys for us to getting back into there and doing the job correctly this time. That t- team's in a tough spot, though, because they just got swept by the White Sox. Um, Carlos Rodon, Patrick Corbin, Justin Steele were some of the left-handed starters slash relievers Ooh, that Corbin. you can think about. Well, Patrick Corbin, um, he's, oh, he's, he's got uh, at least uh, one interesting part about him is that if he was acquired, Juan Soto probably comes with him. So, hey, maybe the White Sox are able to figure out Patrick Corbin, and maybe they're That's able to the figure out right field with Juan Soto. I, hey, I would, I would d- definitely take on that contract to let Ethan Katz work his magic if Juan Soto's my right fielder. I have no issues with that. Let's look at some other possible right fielders. Let's look at some left-handed bats because I do think that left-handed bat is what the White Sox need. Uh, Rick Hahn did bring up a platoon situation today. Um, Vinny ended up mentioning uh, that it was more towards the ladder for Aloy Jimenez that it'll probably just be a platoon situation with him, Vaughn, Pollock um, in, in that scenario. Who's hitting best? Wow. Who can hit the left-hander best? Who can hit the right-hander best? So I think they'll probably need to add more left left-handers. Uh, here are the left-handers out there uh, that have been hitting right-handers well. Josh Bell is out there. He's on a one-year deal in Washington. Jock Peterson, he's out in San Francisco for a one-year deal. Andrew Benatendi, he's in Kansas City for a one-year deal. Brian Reynolds, he's got two years left on his contract out in Pittsburgh. Cattell Marte in Arizona, he's been a name that's been interesting, but he just signed a contract extension that starts next year. That's five years, $76 million. Tyler Naquin, White Sox killer, he's out in Cincinnati for four million a year Ian Happ uh, all-star Ian Happ he's got uh, making six six 6.85 million this year out for the Cubs and then David Peralta he's got eight million left uh, in Arizona so any names there Herb jump off the page to you you said the Giants wouldn't be trading so nope. probably Jack Pe- not Jack Peterson's off that list yeah the guy like I said yesterday that jumps off the page for me is Josh Bell 
a guy that has pop and is a switch hitter too, can do the job. He's played sparingly in the outfield, so he would be the same as Andrew Vaughn, same as Gavin Sheets um, out there. But I know the bat will play. I know the bat will do some work 100%. So, and it probably wouldn't cost you anything that would really hurt. Maybe you could send Gavin Sheets back to the Nationals and then throw a couple of those uh, middle infielders you have at AAA over in the, to sweeten the deal, and you get a, a solid contributor for the last 50 games of the season in Josh Bell. That would be my pick. Benintendi would not be my guy yeah. because he's unvaccinated, and he's not really that great. He's good, not great. He's been good against right-handers, and, yeah. and that's that's the important thing. Um, and I, I do agree with blank name and that he wouldn't destroy the farm system. A guy like Brian Reynolds probably would. Um, Josh Bell, I don't know if he would destroy it, but he'd come close. He's hitting around 900 uh, this year OPS-wise, so it's tough to move on from a guy like that. Jock is interesting because they've been connected to Jock before, but it's really what does San Francisco want to do and then it just ends up feeling like are we going to be stuck with Tyler Naquin is that really an upgrade over Adam Engel I guess a left-handed bat is just what we need and then he's good in those situations Adam Engel's good against left-handers Tyler Naquin would be good against right-handers I know Brandon Jury's been attached to the White Sox as well but he's a third baseman and a right-hander so I don't know but Jock you need to get him it's Jocktober one championship in 2020 with the Dodgers Got traded to the Braves last year. Championship. October. It's the new Marion Hosa thing. Yeah, but he, he's actually winning this time. Exactly. It's the opposite of Marion Hosa. <laughs> uh, David Peralta would be interesting as well. I, I just think that, you know, he's a very solid veteran, veteran bat. Uh, maybe like a, a Michael Brantley light uh, there. Very but, light. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I'm not sure. Eh, you know. We're going to talk to Houston and say, hey, can you give us Michael Brantley? Just for fun. Please. Yeah, just for fun. It'd be, it'd be nice. You guys don't need him. You guys have 8 million outfielders out here. Raul. Just give a- just give us Michael Brantley. Raul cool. Green saying Juan Soto to the Sox. Forget it. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, thank you, sir. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, we know that they won't spend the money on that. But, eh, you know, I, I don't know. No, no, nothing jumps out my uh, out of the page at me. I, I know what you're saying about I just want Peralta. Rick Hahn to do something. Like, he needs to do something. It seems like his better moves are at trade deadlines than in the offseason where he, as somebody said, you could have just acquired these guys and gave them money in the offseason, not specifically. Like, you could have gave Jock Peterson the money he wanted. And right. I know they offered him $10 million, but you didn't have to go necessarily sprinting towards Adam Eaton and giving him money when Jock told you no. It was only $6 million this you, year, too. You could have just waited and said, all right, we'll wait you out, Jock, and then eventually sign with the Cubs. He's just making work harder for him. But he has to know this team needs an upgrade with the lefty bat and also a lefty reliever. So get the job done. However, it needs to be done. And I know White Sox fans want to hug on to every prospect and every player. And we don't need to trade that guy, but. The only one you can't trade go. is Montgomery. Why not? It, well, in, in my mind, like, unless it's for the guy. Like, if they're going to trade Juan Soto for fucking Colson Montgomery, I'm not going to bat an eye. But if they're trading, you know, Colson Montgomery for Brian Reynolds, I'll, I'll probably. Bad an eye just because, I mean. This guy for multiple years that's doing stuff at an all-star level. I get it. Man's got, what, a 45-50 game on base streak that was just broken up. Great. Young. 6'3". 19. 
healthy, doing the job with the bat. Cool, smooth. It looks good. But winning is much more. Yeah, and uh, need to do more winning this year. And if it's a, yeah, I know you want the value, but he was a top fifty prospect now in baseball America. Fifty three. All right, I think you hold on to him. You don't offer him if that's the last thing that that team wants. And it's hey, I got another team on the line, Colson Montgomery, or I'm going to talk to another team. If that's you might have to, you might have to think about it. If that's their only move. Then, I would, I would bat an eye. Yeah. If if their only move is, hey, let's go get this one piece like Josh Bell and give up Colson Montgomery, I would feel frustrated with that because you're not turning yourself into a World Series contender with that one move, and you just turn the 28th farm system into the worst farm system for no real reason because you're not winning a championship with that one move. What? If it's if it's the final piece, if they go out and add you know three pieces, let's say two bullpen pieces and an infielder, and they're like, oh, now we're going to go out and add Josh Bell with Colson Montgomery, I'm fine with that, right? If, if there's a, an actual process to this, I'm fine. But if they're just giving up, prospects um i'm not really sure and sport card fanatic uh said Sox traded uh tatis jr for james field shield so yeah um that was um eight years ago so maybe they've learned a lesson i mean that wasn't maybe. a bad it wasn't a bad trade because tatis yes, turned it, it to us it wasn't it was a, bad a bad trade because james shield sucked and everyone knew it that's what i was trying to get to oh. Well, I've it, been wasn't, it wasn't it. a bad move because Tatis is Tatis now. I've been telling people for years, Tatis was not playing stateside. He was not this guy. And I don't believe that Fernando Tatis would have been this guy with the White Sox. We've seen White Sox development. Have you? You think Fernando Tatis would have developed into the player he is in San Diego? Hell no. Hell no. The mistake was that they traded for James Shields, who was mediocre at best at that time. Just gave up a home run to Bartolo Colon. Exactly. He had given up 10 runs in Seattle two starts before the White Sox said, you know what, let's go and trade for him. So, yes. It's like I'll give, for Dallas Keiko before I'll the Sox give Rick DFA Hahn him. shit for a lot of stuff, but trading away Tatis would not be one of them. Not at all. He was not that player. And to add him into a deal with, you got rid of Eric Johnson, I was – I was fine with the going to San Diego. I was not fine with the coming to Chicago part of that trade. Right. So, and and that's the thing. And, is and if, if they go out and get, you know, a, a veteran, like, you know, let's say fucking David Peralta, and they gave up Colson Montgomery, I'm going to f- flip my lid. Yeah. And I'm sure, Sport Car Fanatic, you got some text or some tweet from that year in 2016 where you're like, Tatis Jr., we gave him away? Oh, no. There was zero people that did that. Nobody. Zero. Because he wasn't stateside. There was no stats. There was nothing. He was a skinny kid that hadn't developed yet. And the Padres did a great job with that. I mean, they did. And now he's... Has he played yet? He has not played this year. So They're still he, waiting on him. He rides motorcycles like a now, like, now, now he's like Aloy out there in San Diego, eh? Right. Um, but he has... But unlike Aloy, he's got 14 years on that contract. Yeah. Oof. Uh, at least it's not that bad for him. And us. a Dairy Queen commercial. Aloysius. Dairy Queen commercial? Yeah, him and uh, Cody Bellinger. Damn, good for him. Yeah. Shout out. Dairy Queen's just giving out money to MLB players. Stay off those motorcycles, friends. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox postgame show. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We appreciate Stephen Nicholas for producing us, and Vinny Duber joined us from Guaranteed Rate Field. You can follow him on Twitter at 
Vinny Duber, and he just posted a brand new article about the White Sox and the second half with some Rick Hahn quotes. So if you are a member at allchgo.com, definitely go check out Vinny's two articles that he posted today for you. And once you do sign up at allchgo.com, you get access to the articles, you get access to our members-only Discord, and you get a brand new free t-shirt from the CHGO Locker. It's a great deal, but again, thank you so much for listening to CHGO White Sox postgame show. We will be with you on Sunday. Pre-game starts at 12.30, and the postgame will be with you after the final out is made. For Herb, I'm Sean. For Steven and Vinny, goodbye. Go White Sox.